quote unquote lunch. So I'm only doing an hour of this. Yeah, so, so anyway, we've wasted nine minutes of Dave's <laughs> 60 minutes that he has. So, hey, Dave, um, not, non wind up Scando question. Mm-hmm. Um, is Denmark considered Scandinavia? I know it's not in the same block yes. as the other ones. Yeah, so yes, I've been watching a show, um, can't think, Rita. It's called Rita and it's in Denmarkian. And um, I, I'm just, my question for you is along with that cartoon about the guy who's got the massive bat and us asking you whether that's likely even in a Scando scenario, in this show, she's a teacher and she constantly smokes on school premises. There's a ton of like hypersexual stuff at school. Teachers kiss each other who are dating in the, is that realistic in a Scandinavian environment or is that exaggerated? It, look, Denmark is more liberal than here. It's not realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, people have a liberal attitude towards sex stuff. So there's probably more eye-opening content and conversation here than, than what you would get in Oz. But look, I don't know what the schools are like, but I would be pretty surprised if what you're describing is is typical of what's actually going on. It's just, it's like anything. You're trying to build tension and excitement and, and a heightened sense of reality. So, but, and, and I guess that's where you go if you've already got this, um, you know, liberal attitude towards yeah, sex. I did see a kid's show yesterday had, was explaining sperm by using puppets. So, you know, anything possible. It's, it's hard to explain. It's hard to exactly explain what they're doing, but I'll, I'll save it for another time. But yeah, look, I reckon I'll, I'll do this first hour. Then Ranch, you guys could just go for as long as you want. Um, and, and if you're editing, which I, I believe you are, then, you know, just whatever you think is the right. Yeah, cool. Right I'll, just, I'll, just, I'll just edit out the first hour and it'll be great. <laughs> All right, let me do an intro so we can actually yep. actually start talking. The Dick and Ham Show this week is brought to you by Bark Lawrence Suzuki and the Old McCallum Scotch Whiskey, now in bourbon flavour Scotch Whiskey. It's not bourbon, but it's Scotch Whiskey with that smooth, smooth, smooth taste that we all love. So welcome. It is the Dick and Ham Show. We've got the ranch, we've got the camp, we've got Sam. It's been a little while since we had Sam uh, online, so welcome back. Andrew is uh, an apology. He's got jury duty this week, so we can't uh, can't have him on the call. Uh, not, not sure exactly what the case is that he's involved with, but... Uh, all, no, Dave, I think uh, he, he's facing a jury. Ah, oh, that's, right. yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Could be could be sometime before he's back on the podcast. Yeah. You know, yeah. Somewhere between five to ten. One uh, yeah. one phone call a week scenario for him. He's got to call Lizzie. So So we're taping this on uh, it's a Friday and it's mm-hmm. a uh, it's not a black Friday, but it's a it's a slightly concerned Friday in Melbourne with news of possible or news of actual uh, extended five days worth of extra lockdown. Is it the right time to talk about that or is it better to do some escapism and to pretend it's not happening? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm happy to start in the dark times. I mean, I'm, I'm really concerned, actually, because at the moment, Curios is up two sets to one over teams. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm gravely, gravely concerned about what the next couple of days look like if he fucking wins. So, hmm. Okay, so main concern is Nick Curios. Okay, good yeah. to know. It's funny, people here come up to me in, in shock that, that Melbourne and Victoria has had such a long stretch of zero cases because it's so different to what is happening in the rest of the world. People didn't almost didn't think that was possible. So it's funny. Melbourne has been a real talking point for everybody who wants to talk to me, but uh, let's, let's see what happens with this next, this next phase. So I wish everybody luck and hope it doesn't become a, a drawn out affair. Of course. Yeah. Look, uh, I, I, yeah. I, I just don't think there's much we can really kind of say at this point. Hopefully it'll all be done, but that's kind of it.
so the news from lockdown Melbourne is that it's it's starting and let's let's see and let's uh, have our fingers crossed on that. Uh, I see that CSL is producing vaccine locally, which is good for you guys to have local production. We don't have local production and we don't have a lot of leverage anywhere. Um, so the vaccination here has been slow. I mean, you, so, you, su uh, you supported yeah. the EU over, the, over time would suggest that you should get some. Oh, wait, no, you fucked the EU. <laughs> the entire time. Yeah, we didn't want to be in that. So um, that's, uh, and look, honestly, we're actually, we're in the European uh, Monetary Union. So we have some affiliation, but not hmm. like we have to pay for other people level of, yeah, of yeah, uh, exactly. you don't want to help anyone <laughs> membership. <laughs> But uh, but the the vaccine we are getting is thanks to um, thanks to the EU, so we're actually getting it through Sweden. So if it wasn't for that, I don't know what we'd be getting. But it's it's painfully slow. Um, it's it's interesting. One thing that surprised me: so Israel is the front runner, right? They vaccinated a vast number of people. Like even weeks ago, they'd already done like five million people with two cases. So I tried to do some research. Like how did they get so much of it? I figured it was kind of localized production. I didn't see much on that. But what I did see was like you know, the health minister goes like, you know what? We just said to Pfizer, if you let us go first, you can use us as like a case study. So everyone else will want to have the vaccine. And Pfizer said, yes. And that's how we got 4 million. That just doesn't sound right to me that it would be well, that easy. Well, except if, if you said, well, we're not going to put it through our local therapeutic goods administration. You can just go nuts effectively as a, that's got to be a big test case. Oh, okay. Yeah, a regulatory uh, angle instead mm. of just a reputational. You can use it like as a fun mm. case study. Yeah, yes. Just show that it works. Yeah, okay. That that makes a lot more sense. You're right. You're gonna edit this out, or I'm just eating. I'm just eating. I'm literally eating on air. It's not something you should do, but multitasking, Sam. It's a new normal. Yeah. And people said we couldn't get more professional on this podcast, and they were wrong. Ever since Ranch took over as comptroller, things have started to get a bit loose, just a bit loose, you know. Sorry. A bit sloppy around the edges. It's, it's, there's nothing nothing personal, I guess, other than the fact that he's been the real common factor here with the mm. decline in the show's quality. Mm. Very true. But why don't we start? So news is obviously a bit of a dead end for us right now. Why don't we um, uh, talk quickly about films and TV series? Mm -hmm. We've been, we've been struggling a little bit. Um, can I start with a couple of half recommendations and a non-recommendation? We fans of Breaking Bad probably know that uh, the, the star of that, whose name eludes me for some reason, uh, has done a show called Your Honor. Brian Cranston. Brian yes. Cranston is starring in a show. Thank you, Ranch. Uh, starring in a show called Your Honor. It's sort of takes the ingredients from Breaking Bad, normal guy forced into extreme circumstances things unravel does things he never expected he'd do which he's so good at um and it just puts it in a different setting it started off as something that i was really enjoying like it had a lot of potential i would say it's a good backup because there's some really key pieces to the uh kind of character structure there's just a couple of characters that suck too much like really key characters and you're like you just you just a shit and i don't want to follow you and your fortunes so it, look, it's worth a look. I would I give that a, a soft recommend. Uh, I tried to watch a bit more of Bridgerton. That that's just a hard anti recommend. It's literally unwatchable. <laughs> I liked it. Unwatchable. Unwatchable. I liked it. Sam liked it. Yeah. It's it. it just, but but not in a good way. Like it, it's, did it's you get just to the dumb. second half? No, I watched the first two episodes and had to give up. I couldn't nah, handle it. It's it's actually weird because I'd read a bit about how it was salacious. 
and 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 my initial thought was anything that's in in the, in the vein of period drama, like I'm immediate rule out, right? You know what I mean? Like I was not interested at all. But I heard it was salacious, so I'm like, whatever. And we're running out of content at this point because no one in the world can make much, right? So we started, and I'm like, this isn't salacious at all. But after about five episodes, it's seriously like the producers were like, look, we've, we've got some research back on the first few episodes and they're a bit boring and people want to be just more like fairly hardcore sex in this bad boy. So then they just ramp it up to 11, like almost overnight, and then it just continues like that for the rest of the series. I wouldn't say that it suddenly makes it good, but at least it makes it memorable somewhat, whereas at the okay. start, it's neither of those things. One of the, yeah, one of the interesting it, things about that show, Dave, have you noticed that they inserted um, African-American actors into clearly traditionally white roles in like Victorian England, and then they yeah. just don't re- reference it or mention it? It's interesting, and I've never seen yeah. it before. Like, it's not mentioned as a thing. It's not noted as there's a reason for it. They're just there. Like, there's literally an African-American woman playing the queen. I've not seen that before. What, what I thought about it, the, the parallel I thought was someone once said that Donald Trump is a poor person's idea of what a rich person looks like. And <laughs> this, this show is like an American person's idea of what England is like. <laughs> because it's so, it's so over the top with the language and, and the sort of the pomp and ceremony and the ridiculousness that it's it's yep. so far beyond anything that would actually be close to reality that um, it just reminded me of that. It's like uh, there are people who think that this is what what happens uh, in England, but no, I, I couldn't watch it. Yeah, maybe maybe um, maybe I need to give it another go. But on the on the issue of salaciousness, Sam, a great segue. Struggling to find something new to watch because Your Honor is is a one per week HBO um, episode drop. Stumbled across one uh, featuring Catherine Hahn. Now, she's not a household name, yes. but she is an actor who, who is excellent and I would argue should have had a better career. She is the woman who plays, uh, she's in Step Brothers. Yeah, yes. That has right. Will Ferrell's idiot brother's wife who turns out to be a sex totally. addict who wants, yeah, yeah, wants right. to roll him into a ball and carry him around in her vagina for the whole day and all the rest of it. That woman. So, <laughs> so funny. She's in a show called Mrs. Fletcher from 2019. Has anyone seen it? I've heard of it. It's good. It's good. It's I look. I'm I'm two episodes in. She is just as good as you would expect, and she's kind of doing drama as well as like it's not actually just playing straight for laughs at all. Um, But I mean, it's salacious from the get go. Like it's kind of the core premise is about an empty nester whose son goes to college and then she suddenly becomes sex crazed. But it it's sort of done in a way that that is not just kind of tacky and hopeless and predictable. It's just interesting and it draws you in. Um, and yes, so sex is kind of the central premise of it, but I just, I just love the way it's done. So I would, if you, if you find that woman funny and, and interesting as a performer, I would absolutely yeah. recommend you try Mrs. Fletcher. Look, it may, it may drop off after these episodes that I've seen. I don't know, but what I've seen so far, pretty good. And, and no one ever seems to talk about it. Yeah, that, that does sound good. And I need to show recommendations. So I'll check that out. Um, Question for the group relating to Catherine Hahn. She's also in a new show. This is going to be a shit question, so I can't think of the name of it. But it's it's in the Marvel suite. It's on Disney+. Yeah, Plus. WandaVision. Yes. Um, and I was just like, what the hell? I've seen those two characters in, like, the few Avenger movies that I've seen. And one of them is Paul Bettany, which is normally a good thing. And uh, and then I saw the pre- – I watched a preview for it because I saw a poster and I'm like, I don't know what this is. 
And the preview, I've got to say, I don't know what the show's about. I really don't know what the show's about. But the preview was cut. It was intriguing to me. It sort of had like a time travel sort of semi kind of element to it. And I thought it looked really awesome. Any comments on what the hell that show's about and whether it's worth watching? Uh, I could spoil the hell out of it. <laughs> yeah, let's let's not spoil anything. Um, but it's it it's um it's it's heavily 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 tied into the broader kind of Marvel universe. Um, so you kind of need to be fairly kind of clued into that. But I mean, in terms of in terms of how the shows made I, I i don't know about you but i, I think it's I, I think it's awesome i i love watching it i think it's absolutely incredible it's very interesting yes yeah each episode is is kind of a dead ringer you know recreation of you know some of these uh sitcoms of yesteryear as it's kind of like traveling through you know time periods and stuff you know it's probably i don't think it would necessarily be a spoiler boots to kind of say that it is it's kind of implied in the title that a lot of it is kind of a lot of the the recreation of those time periods is kind of happening from her, like she is kind of yes. creating that that facade. And then yeah. there's a is mystery. Her name Wanda? As, yes, yeah. Right. That, there's a there's a mystery as to kind of why that's happening and and, right. and and that sort of thing. It certainly appears that they're setting up any <clears throat> any number of different directions that they could then take the next phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe from this, including some pretty massive spoilers that I think Boots is kind of quite itching itching to talk about, which we will not. But, you know, like there's even, you know, like five or six other different directions that have just been kind of subtly weaved in and, and, you know, future characters that have been seeded and stuff like that as well. So, like, it's classic MCU. It's kind of, of course, always threatens to be crushed under the weight of its own you know, universe, so to speak, but, but, but Jesus, it it is, it's incredibly well made and, you know, meticulously plotted. And I think kind of what they're, what they're building is, is, is incredibly exciting. I I think, Hmm. but sorry. I'll give you the spoiler, Sam. I'll give you the one spoiler. Iron Man is actually two small children inside that suit and not a man. (laughs) Jesus. One standing on the other one's shoulders. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Hey, um, hey, hey, Dad, did you want to, watching any more of the great did you did you finish that or did you i loved that that was a yeah. that was perhaps the best recommendation that's ever been shared yeah. on this podcast that isn't it incredible was fantastically good yeah i see it got some golden globe nominations yeah. presumably for the woman who played the lead yeah um, yeah loved it loved it really difficult to pull off that modern yeah. lingo with with historical stuff some of which is sort of true um yeah it's it. also, of, it's... also the swedish angle was great for me as well yeah, it's like incredibly loosely based on history. Um, and like, I, listening back to, it might have even been the last episode when I was talking about it, like I really did not really explain the show very well at all, but it's kind of impossible to explain. Like it, it's really it's really hard to explain. It's not this biopic of Catherine the Great. It kind of is. It's kind of telling her story, but not really at all. And it's doing it in a way that's super interesting. It's kind of old school, but it's also really modern. Sam, if you're actually looking for something to watch, I would I would check that out. It's on Great. Stan. Called, it's called The Great. Okay, it's, and- it's just cool. Just called the great, yeah. Okay, I'm think of, fuck. I don't actually have Stan right now because I was dropping about 150k a year on streaming services, but I should take <laughs> it back up. Yeah, that's good. I like that actor. I like the guy actor in it too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and he's in a few other things. And and Dave, I reckon you'll you'll agree with me. He's having a ball playing playing well, that character, that would, isn't he? That would be one of the more fun roles to play yeah. like, ever. Yeah. Like yeah. he basically, it's not spoiling it by saying he's he's the king of Russia. Um, who who's sort of a spoiled child king, almost not like Joffrey style from Game of Thrones, but in a much yeah. more fun way, just does what he wants. So yeah, okay. as soon as he finishes drinking something, he just throws the glass and like smashes it on the <laughs> roof. 
Huzzah! <laughs> like he'll walk into rooms like, hi, you, fuck off. And then like the way he does, he, he's actually plays the child in About a Boy. He's yeah. the child who hangs with Hugh yes. Grant and has that moment and, on stage. Yeah. Nicholas Holt. And, he, yeah. and he's one of the guys, um, I've seen him in X-Men, but I also have seen him in, um, he's in Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, with the silver he's lips. One of the, one of the lunatic uh, like bald guys, which is a change of pace. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, all right. Isn't it? Isn't it? No, I, I would I recommend. I mean, you. I would say watch that before Mrs. Fletcher. Mrs. Fletcher is yes, a great backup right. option. Um, yeah, that, that does really, seem good. Really yeah. fantastic. I feel like Jane would like that too. TM just took the fourth set, by the way. Can I just read you two headlines <laughs> that I thought were funny for different reasons? The headline says Dominic is that he said Dominic Fan wins third yeah. set but still trails. Spectators asked to leave by eleven thirty, so they're going to have to walk out of the match before it finishes to be <laughs> home by midnight. Right, so that's funny for starters. Second headline, which is funnier, Boots, you ready for this? This is a serious headline. Someone wrote this on front page of the age. A big week in football. The inside story on how Eddie exited the Magpies, right? Fine. Underneath the photo of him looking sad, it says, many key figures believe the Collingwood president's demise started with his Adam Goods comment. Wasn't that like 11 years ago? (laughs) Slow demise. That's some pretty serious Manchurian <laughs> candidate that shit. Halfway <laughs> through, halfway through his presidency. Actually happened in 2014, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> seven years ago. That's a good seven years ago. Seven, yeah. Yeah, seven Who years. writes this shit? That's, that scandal has long service leave. Seven years. <laughs> Boots, what have you been watching, mate? Uh, watching a few things. Watched the uh, the last season on Netflix of Call My Agent, the uh, the, the French show, which was which was very good. And watching Industry. Uh, I don't know whether you've seen that. It's okay. the Lena Dunham is one of the executive producers, but it's a um, show about four interns or basically graduates at a a fictional investment bank in London, and the shit that goes on there which is it sounds like that would be right in your wheelhouse <laughs> i wouldn't say it's enjoyable but it was um it was certainly interesting it was a, it was an interesting take I wouldn't, wouldn't say i liked watching it or anything I wouldn't say it was entertaining at all it was entertaining but it was it, some of it was hard to watch it was like it, some of the stuff that was happening made made us so anxious we had to like stop watching it at night holy shit mm. I'm intrigued by that. I mean, watching watching Lena Dunham in general makes me anxious, so I try to avoid doing oh, it because yeah. I just think she's ob- obnoxious and self obsessed and irritating. And she's not in it, thank God. But Good. The, um, yeah, it, 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 look, it, 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 it's thought provoking at a minimum and and interesting. So I thought, yeah, that was uh, that was something we have watched in the last. Uh, what, what's it called again? The the intern. In, in, it's just called just called industry. Industry. Right. Weird name. Yeah. I, uh, I I still haven't taken your recommendation of Lupin Boots, but that that very much caught fire after I heard you kind of mention it. Yeah, like I watched that. It's, it's kind of it's kind of been everywhere, but I've heard it's it's a lot of fun. Sam, what do you think? It, it is. Yeah, it's funny. Like you know, occasionally someone just does something, and it's not necessarily it's not necessarily particularly original, but it just feels like maybe no one's done it for a while or something. And it's it's sort of broadly just like a James Bond type thing, but but sort of a TV show sort of thing, like a heist sort of thing. Like, you know, like it's, yeah, it's just, an, it's just a good, I don't know, Boots, what you think, but yeah, I'm not yeah. sure there's anything that deep to it more than it's just good to watch, you know. Um, it's well made. It moves quickly. The guy's very charismatic. The main character's very charismatic. Like you're kind of drawn yeah. to him on the screen. 
And so, therefore, you, it's 30, 30 minutes at a time that passes, uh, or they actually might be 50 minutes, six 50 minute um, episodes, but um, that, that, that move very, very quickly. It's also like one of those shows that's about someone who's kind of smarter than everyone else, or, you know, it's always, I find it's always entertaining if the show, like where someone's smarter or stronger or faster or something than everyone else you know like the the, the um goodwill hunting model kind of thing's always entertaining that's kind of what this is you're one step ahead of everyone the whole time ranch has a theory on that though he has a double-edged sword theory he's like superman was boring because he was too good he was too no, powerful he could do everything that, yeah yeah but you've got to you've got to introduce aliens otherwise there's, there's no there's nothing who i know who can fight him yeah, overpowered, overpowered superheroes is a problem. Like Wanda Maximoff, Sam from WandaVision is a, is a good example of that. Professor X from the X-Men. Like the first thing you got to do is come up with a reason why they're just on the sidelines, why they can't kind of help. Yeah, like that's, fix that's everything. Yeah, yeah. Narr- narrative number one. How do you take, how do you ruin Superman so you can have a movie? Yeah, yeah. It's true. It's true. We've talked a bit about Hollywood and mining sort of safe bets that are either a franchise or something that is very easy to um, kind of export globally, or something that is a reboot, with the exception, obvious exception of Cobra Kai, which is which is you know the, the whole reason for our podcast existence almost. <laughs> most re- most reboots, I just just I have no interest in them. Um, the Ghostbusters universe, there was a film that was not a reboot, the the women Ghostbusters film, which I didn't like, but not because it was a female cast. I just didn't sure think it was Dave. A Why you gotta call sure it Dave. that Dave? Sure. Yeah, Dave. Call it that. To, me, right. to me it was just a new Ghostbusters sure. movie. I, I don't mm, have to look at it like that. That, mm, that. They were women? I what? didn't like it, but it wasn't just because it was filled with females, he says. Mm, Can I finish? You know Can I finish? Yeah, yeah. And sorry, I thought it was one of the better <laughs> movies of our generation as well. So just why? because it's women in the lead, I don't know why you gotta Discounted, treated differently than everything else. Fucking piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I'm a fan of the actors who are in it, and I think Paul Paul Feig is a good director. But I just thought it was a shitty film. But the son of Ivan Reitman, the genius Gary Reitman, or whatever his name is, (laughs) Jason Reitman, I believe his name. Is, is it Jason? Might be Jason. Yes, it is Jason. That they've basically tried to bring the. I would describe the Paul Feig or Paul Feig. We're never going to know how to say his name. We're no. just going to have to say it twice no. every time. No one knows. His Ghostbusters was something that was like out on a tangent and not really part of the the canon. Whereas what the Reitman one that's coming out this year is, it's it's bringing it right back to the original characters, but trying to do what Cobra Kai has done. It's like, hey, some kids discovered some stuff. So I was like, well, look, Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters, and a couple of things in the teaser trailer. I was like, oh, yeah, that's good. And, you know, this is still going to suck. The longer trailer of it, has anyone seen that? The two-minute trailer for that film? I haven't. I saw one of them and I thought it was like, eh, this could, I don't know, maybe, maybe. You know, I wasn't sure, but I, I'm not sure whether it was the long or the short one. Probably the short one. I just know that I'm going to see the film, so I, I don't, I just, I'm not going to watch the trailer because I know I'm going to Rant. see it. And, and it'll, it'll, it'll give away stuff. The, the long one, I was surprised. I think it's just the strength of the of the original IP, like that car, like that music with the siren, yeah, that the unique sound. siren yeah. sound. I think that that IP is so strong that you almost you're just drawn in no matter what when you're exposed to it. But Paul Rudd's in it, which is obviously a winner. The kid from Stranger Things is in it, which kind of I think tonally they're trying to do a sort of a Stranger Things. I think it'll feel derivative to the modern sort of Stranger Things ish style, but. Honestly, I saw it. I was like, "That's that's going to be watchable. Like that yeah. that could be actually all right." Same feeling I had when I saw the Coming to America two uh, trailer. Yeah, 
Jason Reitman's a good director. Like, I, I think it, it gives it a, a good chance to be good. But I, I feel like so many of those, of the movies that are just so heavily playing on not only an existing property, but specifically the nostalgia associated with that, particularly when it's been like 30, 40 years or whatever, I feel like it's an, it's, it's an almost impossible task to get right because what you're trying to do, like, you know, they're trying to draw us and people like us into watching Ghostbusters again, but what is it going to take for it to, to give us anything close to the feeling of watching Ghostbusters that first time? Like, you know, Ghostbusters is, is kind of up there, right? And, and you're eight years old or whatever when you watch it. You know, it's it's impossible to have a fucking 40-something-year-old guy go along and get that same reaction. So, like, you know, that, that's pretty much just completely out of the question. And so then you kind of think, well, the best I'm actually probably hoping for is kind of a good time at the movies. So how, how do you do that? And that's really just kind of playing on those nostalgia beats and probably playing it safe. So, like, I, I kind of go into it going, I'll see it. Hopefully it'll be fun. But I'm, there's almost no way that I could possibly expect that it's actually going to be unreal and I walk out being completely blown away by it. So it's like, it's, it's, it's the same yeah. with this. It's, it's the same with um, uh, uh, Bill and Ted's from uh, uh, earlier in the year. Like, so it's the same thing. As good as that was, it was still only just okay. And, and coming to America is probably going to be the same. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And look, I, I think you, you're right. Like there's no other way to look at it really. And, and what ends up happening usually is sort of fan service or, I mean, with some of those Star Wars, you know, more recent films, I felt like they were just a direct rehash of the original storytelling yeah, yeah. just done with better technology and some different characters, yeah. uh, which they kind of were. Um, I think that kind of the best that you can hope for is I think actually probably what the, the first kind of newer Star Wars one was trying to do, which was this concept of a legacy sequel, which is just, it's a sequel, but it's kind of handing over the legacy to these new group of characters. And so if you can make the film, have it be a new group of characters, the old guys turn up, they kind of hand over the baton or whatever. It's still good. And those new characters are, are really good in themselves. Like that then can be a really good launching pad to do something really good. Of course, Star Wars went on to completely shit the bed with that. So let's never speak about that again. But like, I think that's, that's kind of what I would go into it hoping that we kind of get out of a Ghostbusters thing because it's a property that is super cool it's almost it's almost kind of boundless in terms of what they could do with it but it really I think relies on having good young characters to kind of take over the mantle because who wants to see a 70 odd year old Bill Murray kind of like roaming around fighting ghosts like that's not going to happen um so it can't focus on those old guys it's got to be a new group of characters coming through who hopefully you love and you know can 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 kind of have a connection to and then it'd be a good movie to kind of move on into into a, a series perhaps that's that's kind of the best that, that you can hope for I reckon. Yeah, I agree with that. They were clever with how they used Bill Murray. Um, they didn't show any of the original talent at all, and I would guess that they just have cameos, but they used him in the voiceover where he does a speech right. in the original Ghostbusters about why they're going to, when they get thrown out of the university, it's like, you know, things happen for a reason, you know, call it fate, yeah. call it destiny. But we was, and he, he redoes that in the voiceover as a 70 year old Bill Murray. So you can tell it's him, but you can tell it's sort of, it's got a new sort of dimension to it because he's old now. I thought that was that was very clever, but I'm I'm dis, I'm actually disproportionately excited about the Coming to America sequel because I, I love that film as much as I do. And there's a couple of angles on that: the fact that uh, Tracy Morgan is is in it; he hasn't been in anything in a long time. Wesley Snipes is in it. Wesley Snipes hasn't been in anything <laughs> forever because he was in jail for tax evasion for years. <laughs> I don't know. I'm excited. You know that that movie is is right up there for me with the, the barbershop scene and those old guys are all in I it. You know, I can't. I can't. Uh, Boots, what's your assessment of Wesley Snipes as a basketball player? 
Oh, the fact that he was... Well, like solely from white men can't jump? That's Well, that's the only one. I mean, they had to sub in a lot of people for him. The fact that Woody Harrelson was actually a better basketball player than Wesley Snipes in that film is is terrible for the way that the film is supposed to uh, supposed to be centred. But that they, they openly talk about having to shoot around that uh, the fact that he couldn't actually dribble. Um, so if you watch yeah, the they, film... They used a lot of slow-mo. Well, he doesn't actually dribble the ball. He's always catching and making a move straight away because they couldn't make it look realistic that he was dribbling the ball. What yeah. would be the best or the most realistic depiction of basketball on film? Would it be he got game? Um, With Ray that's, Allen? That's probably Space Jam. right. The, 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 frankly, if you watch The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh, <laughs> um, which has Dr. Jane and, and some horrific acting, but the basketball scenes in that are, are phenomenal. Teen Wolf would obviously be one of the worst. If you look at if you look at look at Teen Wolf's basketball scenes again, they ain't good. Oh, no. There's um there's the ranch. You'll hate this, but uh, there's the re- the Teen Wolf rewatchables is funny. I've, I've talked to Boots about how much I like it. They do a lot of breakdown on um on some ridiculous stuff from that movie and where those guys would like what college they would have gone to and stuff. I found it quite funny. The ranch would <laughs> absolutely despised every second of it. I just remember one guy being like. You reckon the wolf would make like the all-time movie star like first five starting five? The guy's like, well, I don't know. You'd think, I mean, he's probably got to make it. I mean, the guy's a fucking wolf. He'd be a intimidation factor alone. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a tough conversation to tell the wolf he didn't make the team. Yeah, I mean, the guy's a wolf. I mean, <laughs> it's funny actually. Like, I know this is um, this is well well trodden territory, but um. Like, it's funny, there's obvious movies where you're like, yeah, I'm not surprised they're going to do a sequel for that. You know, like, there's, there's money in that. But when I see Ghostbusters and stuff, which has really, it has a, a place in the cultural zeitgeist for us, but, but no one really younger than us. And then coming to America as well, right, it does show the extent to which they are shopping around and trying to find not necessarily movies that are perfectly set up for sequels, but just the fact that, any movie that's existed in any form and been successful at any time is a safer option than a new creative idea. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So like, I'm not saying either of those shows or Cobra Kai are not good. Like they're good. And you can obviously, you get a new director and a new idea and it's fine. But like, do we need two more Ghostbusters movies? I mean, like I'm fine with sequels, but like, Ghostbusters movies? Like, yeah. is, that, is that the one that people were calling for? No, nah, it's clearly incredibly cynical. At least with the Ghostbusters and stuff, the angle would be that, you know, they're not necessarily making it so kids will go along and see it. They're making it so, like, you know, we would take our children to go and see it kind of together, kind of reliving our nostalgia and then kind of hand it over. So I think I think that's probably what they're going for. But no, the attitude towards risk is the thing, Sam, that they don't want to take risk on unknown properties. It's just a numbers game. If something that's unknown has this much chance and something that will be shitty, but at least we know this many people know what it is, no matter what the finished product looks like, we know that it'll reach a certain level. Yeah, it's, got a, it's got a baseline. Tennis update. Tim, it's on serving the fifth. Damn. Who's serving first? Curious. That's I, That helpful. video of, um, of, your old, of your old man playing with Tony Roach, I don't think I've ever seen video of him playing before. And... Um, it's incredible and it's great quality, I gotta say. Like, I didn't watch that much. Surprising quality, amazing. right? Amazing. It's a VHS tape that's been in the cupboard for 30 years. Yeah, I've got, yeah, is that right? And still, it's in, you should, yeah. Like, I reckon I've got 
my dad's speech in my wedding, and I reckon that's probably all I've got video of him ever. You've got a whole tennis match. It's amazing. Yeah, that is cool. Plus, it's pretty remarkable. Like he's playing this tournament, and it's pretty pretty incredible. It makes you not that anyone didn't already know this, but it does make you realise how at, good he was and everything. At, at Festival Hall of all places. I is know, that where that match There's was? a lot to unpack in that. Mm. House of Stoush. I didn't realize that. And they've, <laughs> and they've done it up. It's all super boxes. Like it's all just like wooden mm. plush sort of hospitality space. Like, like watching it, I, I, I couldn't I couldn't work out kind of what end of the stadium I was at and like how they'd laid that out. It looked a lot bigger in there than kind of certainly I remember from going to shows yeah, and Mike stuff. Mike Patton was standing. Yeah. It did It did look nice. Well, also, how's the fact that Mike Williamson, Mike Jezelinko, you beauty Williamson, is commentating on the tennis and he's, he's, he's also just talking about right? gambling and stuff and being yeah. quietly corrected by the other guy. So <laughs> much to unpack. Ily Nastasi, just a total villain of a guy. And he's also just wearing a sweater for the whole match. I yes, know. I noticed that. The sweater. Yeah. Also, when the umpire does the scores, he, he sounds like the equivalent of the David Stone Qantas pilot impersonation. He's like, he's it's pretty uh, one set to love. It's uh, three all now in the second set. We're going to go over some drinks now. You know, like it's... it's 30. He's, he's pretty, he's pretty Aussie, but oh, there's, there's so much to unpack. And Stan Smith, who most people don't realise is not just a, a sneaker and it was actually a dude who played tennis, after the match just quietly slips on a gold Rolex that he's, had, he's just had in his bag. <laughs> it's just, just been packing, yeah, no big deal. Just, just a <laughs> wow. gold president day-date special from, from Stan Smith. So, but that match happened after I was born. Basically, Dad was commentating that match at, with Mike Williamson and John Newcomb hurt himself. So they sent a taxi to our house to get dad's clothes and a bunch of rackets. Cause it was in 1980. He'd been retired for like 12 months. And what? so mum chucked a bunch of stuff into a cab and the cab drove to festival hall. And then he played with, cause I don't think he played much with Tony Roach. Roach always played with Newcomb. Mm-hmm. And um, so, he, so he was meant to be commentating the match. Uh, ro- yeah. uh, Newcomb rolled an ankle or something. And he wound up yeah. stepping in having retired 12 months earlier. Jesus yeah. Christ. That's amazing. It's like and, my dream of going to an AFL yeah. game and there have been a couple of injuries before the game and they've been like, Sam, they need you out there, you know? <laughs> <laughs> the obvious question is how many injuries would it take until they needed you? <laughs> I'd, say, I'd say if there were 30,000 people at the game, about 29,000 injuries. Yeah. You were 29,000 uh, yeah. in charge, Sam. <laughs> yeah. Hey, quick question before I have to jump off. So... Obviously, one of everyone's hobbies during this lockdown period, this pandemic period, has been eating more than they should eat. Yeah, working it's obviously another key thing most days. So a product that you would think exists in this part of the world has never existed, just arrived. Salt and vinegar chips were never what? a thing. And and now they're a thing. And so Jesus people are suddenly Christ. like, oh, cool, you can get chips with vinegar on. I know. I never liked them, but now I've suddenly grown into them. No, that's, I like that's, them. Sam, where do you rank? Where do you rank salt and vinegar chips on the pantheon of original chip flavors? Not not new school original chip flavors. Where's salt? Yeah, vinegar? so there's definitely no shortage of new school. That market has exploded in your absence, Dave. All you got to do is put a location name before something you already knew, like Murray River Salt and Gary's Vineyard Vinegar, and then you can charge eleven bucks for them. I reckon in the pantheon of, of chip flavors, I feel like the, the quintessential Australian chip flavor range was basically your chicken, your barbecue. Yeah. Your salt and, and vinegar. Probably your salt and vinegar and your salt only. They're, I yeah. think they're the top four. If you're, gonna, if you're gonna exclude like your burgerings and twisties, we're in Australian kids territory here as well. Yeah, they're out. I reckon salt and vinegar, because it's not a flavor that, that applies to anything else, is probably 
the highest profile of all of those. Not that everyone likes it, but it's certainly like the almost like the classic, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I would I would say it's it's definitely number one in terms of in terms of remembering those those flavors. Um, I'm thinking back to that. Remember that ad for Samboy's chips where the person's in the bar and they order the chips and then like the flavor falls down on top of them. Remember that? Yes. Like they'd be like yes, salt vinegar, like they just got hammered with salt and vinegar, and then they're like, "Oh no, it's barbecue!" And like whole fucking barbecue with the bricks and everything falls down on them. Remember that? It was good. It was very good. Sam's giving yeah. me nothing on that, and you're an ad man. You should you should know this. I vaguely remembered there being one where someone was like, "Could I have a packet of salt and vinegar chips?" And then just like someone punched them in the face or something because they were so strong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a hit me with a Sandboy chip where they had a box yeah. basically yeah, hit me an, with an, a an anonymous chip. an anonymous boxing glove used to just pummel you if you ate one of the chips and for some reason people <laughs> wanted that yeah uh, that's good no I, for me. I would have salt and vinegar number one by a by a wide margin a wide really? margin. yeah yeah, yeah. but there's bar- barbecue number one barbecue i i like barbecue barbecue is a good a good flavor so there's a there's a vast delta between salt and vinegar chips that are good and salt and vinegar chips that are ab as well can i say that though you know like when they're good they're good if they're plain they're kind of not good when they're sort of like a bit Hit and miss. They're not good. So yeah, that bad true. anyway. Like, couldn't you? You know, the difference yeah, between a good something called... and a bad something is pretty big. No, no. Yeah, some but, things are just, yeah, but like, no, some things are level. Good pizza and bad pizza. It's always reasonable. Some things, when they're bad, you're like, fuck, I wouldn't even order that because if it's bad, it'll be it'll be horrible. You feel me? Yeah, but, yeah. No, I feel you. I actually also think like it's funny how strong the memories we have of that. Basically, because we were kids and and we didn't have much yeah. else in our lives, and that's that was why it was so important. But I tell you what, the companies back then, two things. Firstly, uh, tobacco companies did a great job at, at, at sponsoring stuff. We're going to, like, if you look at, if you remember those Formula One cars and how awesome they looked, it was actually because tobacco companies were so awesome at, at doing branding and designing shit. But the conditioning of us to understand the colors that were associated with those chips, like, mm. everybody knows that a yep. green packet of chips is chicken. Everybody. Yep. 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 It's, it's quite true. impressive that even now, if you saw a green bag of chips you would assume that it was chicken or if you saw a brown bag of chips you'd assume it was barbecue pretty impressive how effectively the companies managed to do that and pink for salt and vinegar is probably the pink the the high point of that like why would why is pink mean salt and vinegar yeah it does it's just it just does. It, it just worked. Yeah. But now I guess with, with, uh, with yeah, artisanal salt and vinegar, they're, th- they're throwing that system out the window. Tim has the break in the fifth. Suck on that trick, you fucking rat. It's what I was trying to explain, right? When you're a streaky player and you win the first two sets, it's all over in all tournament. In this tournament, you've got to win three off a guy. It's not Kyrgios's fault, you know, like, you know, his, his little leg fucking condom was, was all like bunched up and he had to pull oh, that no. down so that got in his head and then and then the crowd were being noisy and and the umpire wasn't doing anything about it so fuck but, but Hugh, the people in his box weren't being supportive enough um if only poor nick could could get a break do you know what i mean you know like if only something could go his way this is the year this is the year he's going to he's really matured a lot mm. um it's all going to change this year I've got to say, I, I've, I'm not a defender of, of this guy. Like, I've been frustrated and sort of given up on him for a long time now, and I've, I've been consistent mm. with that. But yelling at your box as a tennis player, like, is not this guy's sole domain. It's basically 80% of them who do that. It's, 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 it's madness to the extent to which the people are losing, and then they'll just – because it's almost like there's nothing else that you can do. So they just yell at the people who are sitting there to watch them. Like it's, it's, it's so many of them do it. It's not, he's not the first to do that.
Is it that or smash your racket to kind of get get the get any frustration out? Like I, I presume that's just a you know like if you're yelling at the ref, you look like a dick. If you're yelling at the crowd, you look like a crazy person. If you're yelling at yourself, you look like a crazy person. Yelling at the box at least, it's it's a way of working out some aggression. It's different level. I reckon it's different level. Like you smash your racket, it's more of a tactical move. It's like your equipment is is shit, so you're gonna smash it. But if you're yelling at the person, you're you get a point penalty for that, don't you? Uh, they've relaxed that in recent years because it's entertaining to see people smash rackets. <laughs> the um, but when you look at your box and yelling at them, it's more of a sort of a strategic thing that like things aren't going your way and you don't have a plan, and that's your answer is to yell at them or to look up in the sky like yeah. oh it's. It's, it's, I guess it's a lo- it is a lonely game and, and you, you don't have many things you can turn to when things aren't going well. Just before we jump off Curios, did anyone watch the Reputation Rehab for Curios? No. The show on Channel 2? Oh, no. Oh, no. That, you, I'm never going to be a supporter, but it, it, it did, it, much in the same way that him opposing Djokovic has made people go, well, lesser of two evils. Um, yeah, yeah, it's true. It did paint him in a better light and kind of let you, you know, see, you, you could see him in a slightly different light than uh, than he had been portrayed. But so I once listened to a podcast with Lindsey Graham on it and I came out of that thinking, you know, it doesn't seem like that much of a bad guy. So <laughs> leave that with you. Leave that with you. Just sit on that. Or you sit on that for a couple of minutes, Boutros. Which, you know, which podcast could you possibly have listened to that made Lindsey Graham look like anything else than a f- as snake, soon as you I hear any mother talk, if you hear any mother talk when they're sort of like, uh, you know, not doing business, you're immediately like, this guy seems like a guy I could have a beer with. And then you remember that the person's a f-ing prick. It's <laughs> definitely true here. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a spirit. That's, that's the spirit. <laughs> that's, the, that's the blue portion of the uh, podcast. Out of <laughs> yeah. um, that's testing ranch on the, on the bleep. <laughs> uh, before you go, Dave, um, your, your tip for the Australian Open? I know it's still early, but I haven't. The last six months, I haven't been following the form that closely, so I wouldn't know. But I think the, the preparation is so unusual that it's it's a bit. I think there'll be more surprises than than normal. That's one thing I would say because it's some people have had it harder than others in terms of being able to practice and all the rest of it. Djokovic is usually the person I would tip for this event because it's at the yeah. start of the year and it's hot. And he's, yeah. he's an amazingly good player. His game suits the surface and he's fit. He's, he's actually just in better shape than the others at this yeah, time yeah. of year, every year as well. So all things being equal, I would just tip him to win it again. But all things are not equal and who knows. But this guy team is a, is a hell of a player. Yeah. I would put him... I like him. I, I like him a lot. Yeah. I, I, great game. I remember, yeah. I remember last year, he and the, um, the young German guy who it turns out might be a bit of a bad guy. Oh, Zverev? Yeah, yeah. Which is a pity because I liked his game last year. But yeah, I'm not sure that... I'm not sure he's the sort of guy we want to necessarily cheer for, but like both of those guys seem, seem really cool. But t- team seems good. Um, and this young, this young Aussie guy, uh, Dimonor, what, what what's his story? Like, is is there a chance that we might have a male tennis player who is not a complete dick? Like, could this could this be true? Uh, look, I don't know that much, so I, I can't accurately comment on what he's like. I, I believe um, I've heard that he's he's a good citizen and a good guy and all the rest of it. So um, that's that's always refreshing and nice. His his story is is a good one in that he took the right path. He basically moved to Spain pretty early on. Um, mm-hmm. So he's a very good clay court player because he essentially almost grew up. So he's moved when he, he would have been, you know, in his early teens, he's moved to play in Spain full time, which is pretty yeah. crazy when you think about like a 13 year old kid doing that. But Basically, what that gives you is access to, to competition, 
because that's the only way you can actually see how good you are and, yeah. and be pushed by good competition. So if you stay, if you stay in Australia, you'll be the best there, but you're actually not being yeah. pushed enough by yeah. good players. Yep. So him moving to Spain was probably the, the reason why he's as good as he is. Mm. Um, his game is is great. I mean, he's 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 like a new version of Leighton Hewitt, basically. Uh, yeah, chases everything yeah. down, gets everything back. Was my kind of like quick observation yeah. from seeing the bit yeah. last night. Yeah, yeah great, seems- great fighter, great scrapper, Re- really solid, solid, solid player. I think he needs he, he. I don't know if he has any weapons. Like the the game is such right. a power game now that the one thing that might hold him back is he he's physically not huge. He can't hit 160 kilometer an hour forehands like these other guys can. So if he, if he had a weapon, you would really talk about him as someone who's like high, high, high potential because everything else is good. But yeah. you can develop weapons. You never know. Um, very encouraging yeah. to see how well he's doing. Yeah, he um he won last night and he was being interviewed on the court. Michelle walked past the TV and said, "Why are they interviewing one of the ball kids?" <laughs> 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 he looks he looks 11. This this kid, but no, he seems um he seems likable at least, which is more than you can say for many of our. Male tennis players, unfortunately. But anyway, um, have you got to yeah. go, mate? Yeah, I got to go. That was fun, fun talking to you guys. Uh, enjoy the weekend. I hope the hope the five days of lockdown is only five days, and everybody mm-hmm. everybody gets through it with their sanity intact. Yep, yep. All right, mate. Take it easy. All right, speak soon, Next guys. Day, bye. 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 Sorry, that was my pissed neighbour telling me to apologising for the noise at the front door. Uh, hang on, you, you were apologising to him for. No, sorry. Yeah, she just rang the doorbell to apologise for the noise next door at ten forty, oh. which gives you a sense of her current state. <laughs> yeah, let me but wake you, know, you up she also, to to apologise to you for how much noise we're making that might be yeah. keeping you up. Yeah, let me. I let me. Your three to, young children. Yeah, I'll choose to appreciate that she apologised and leave it there. Uh, so what the fuck do we want to talk about, you guys? It's weird without Dave here. Like, I don't think any of us really know how to host this shit. I'd say it's better, probably. We've probably got another episode of this before the AFL season starts, but do we want to do a little kind of AFL section? Do we want to talk about... I mean, I, I still want to get Will on to talk about um, Collingwood, yeah. Collingwood uh, which we haven't uh, done yet. But do we want to, do we want to acknowledge the, uh, the, the Eddie situation, which... Uh, Seems seems like a while ago now, but it was really yeah three days ago. It was another absolutely shambolic press conference there, which was kind of the, the second one in, in a little while, which is where, where their MO just seemed to be, no, nope, we're just going to tell every, everyone that something else happened and they'll all believe it. And, of course, no one does. And I don't know, like I, I think it's um, I've always been a bit of an Eddie defender. I've always felt he's a, he's, a, he's a bit of an easy mark and he's high profile and he's a bit of a lightning rod, but... It was pretty hard to defend that. Like I just, I, when when that press conference was happening, actually, I was just getting so many updates from people with quotes. Like Steve, I was just sending quotes all the time. I'm like, hang on, no, that's made up, isn't it? No, no, he yeah, didn't say. I was doing that. No, couldn't have said that. No, they, they they actually said that. So like that that was that was bad. I I, I think it's a good thing he kind of resigned. The, the fact that that the opening words from that press conference has already become the go-to parody extraordinary. for all. <laughs> Extraordinary. All time. It's funny though, to me, like if you think about the reason that the boards are formed to run public companies, right? To operate in the interests of the shareholders. And there's a whole bunch of regulation around how that needs to work, you know, for good reasons. You mean like Crown? <laughs> yeah, we obviously work perfectly every time. Um, yeah. So in the case of Collingwood, where there isn't a major shareholder who owns most of the business, like there is a Crown, 
it, it, to me, it's just a, a good example of a guy who was tremendous for that club, did a ton. But there's a reason that if you're running an organization you don't own, you don't get to do whatever you want and you're not bigger than the club. And these guys forget that. And the idea that it's in the interest of the club and not you for you to be there for 22 years or something is ludicrous. It's patently and obviously ludicrous. And the point where the board are all people you've picked or at least signed off on, the management executive team are all people you've picked or signed off on, you don't have to be a, um, a governance or compliance expert to work out that it puts the club in a dicey position. Now, Collingwood's been big enough and successful enough and done well enough that it's kind of gone okay. But the last eight years they've had, not necessarily financially, but certainly operationally, it's been something of a shambles. And the fact that there's basically been no accountability for that at board level is a problem, you know? And if it wasn't for this, he'd still be president. And he only is now he isn't even president uh, because it was so egregious that even they couldn't get him rid of, get rid of him. And I bet that they had to still drag him out the door. You know, he still wouldn't have gone. So beware a, uh, beware a public thing that becomes uh, egomaniac's play thing is what I'd say. You know, the, the whole thing's just kind of insane. And then like, not only did Collingwood, you know, really kind of screw up that press conference, but then it kind of took the, the players to kind of write a, a kind of open letter and put a statement out a few days later to kind of talk about action that they're going to take. Like, that's just... It's, it's great that they did that, but like, like it's kind of pathetic that the club didn't do that. Like, just the whole thing's just been, just you know, really sad. I'm glad we certainly threw the other end of hopefully the media cycle related to it because I'm kind of you know I'm I'm sick of hearing about it. But hopefully, lead to you know some hopefully some good outcomes I guess going forward for not only for Collingwood but for the AFL and, and some some really kind of public ways that they can lead in this in this in this way. But yeah, the- when he retired, he was still like. Look, you know, I'm a lightning rod. It wasn't really the sort of mea culpa that you kind of might have mm. thought. It was still kind of like, look, yes, I'm sorry, asterisk. And, you know, <laughs> you know, regrets, asterisk. But, you know, it was like qualified. Yeah. It just, like I said, it's a public organisation. So it's not about you, mate. And as soon as it becomes about someone that's and not the actual football yeah. club, then you've got a yeah. problem. Um, and that's then they have that problem. So they need yeah. to get someone really well credentialed and really boring who stays the fuck out of the media for a while as their new president, which I'm sure they'll probably try and do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and boots the rule changes that came out this week about or last week about the the guys kind of standing on the mark. I think um, I've, I've I've heard some negative reaction to this, but I don't know. Like from what I understand, it kind of seems to be designed directly to just keep the ball moving pretty swiftly. Like I, I, I think I'm right in saying if you're standing on the mark, you can't move side to side. And if you are whatever closest to the mark when someone takes a, a mark or is or is given a free kick, you have to stand the mark. You can't run further in front of the ball and have someone else take that mark. So it was designed to, to keep numbers from kind of, you know, flooding ahead of the ball. That kind of doesn't sound terrible to me. What, what I'm sure will, and, and so firstly, correct me if I'm wrong on that, but it doesn't sound bad to me. What I'm worried about is someone takes half a pace to the side and it's an automatic 50-meter penalty, and we all know that's going to be incredibly over-policed for the first six weeks of the season. Yeah, look, I actually was... was This is the first I've heard 
of of what you were describing. I, oh. I, this had not come really? to my attention earlier. But after you sent me now, who's sitting around the campfire? Yeah, no, yeah. After you, after you sent me what came up in your Google feeds a couple of weeks ago, I said, "Fuck <laughs> that! I am not looking at anything in the AFL for, <laughs> until, until they start playing games." About how, Joe about how Joe Danaher is playing the best preseason of anyone in the history of the league. Why not? It's why not? And Michael Hurley's got a leg infection that kept him in the hospital for a week. <laughs> yes. That anyway, is sorry, the one that you're referring to. Uh, that, that, and, and, then the, and then the headline, Fantasia says he had to leave Bombers to reach his best. Uh, is, yeah, is that right? Is that, is, is that a wind-up? It feels like a wind-up. No, no, is that a real that thing? The, that's the headline of the eight. <laughs> Um, <laughs> oh my god so, we're, we're, we're laughing but I'm dying inside I'm just laughing because it's just like I don't think any of us really thought that Fantasia's the smartest guy ever but it's just like even if you think that I just don't think you meant to say <laughs> that out loud you're saying the quiet bit out, out loud there <laughs> Lazio like, anyway yeah. okay. anyway but probably look, true I, I, as you have described those rules to me, I think you've hit the nail on the head with what the problem is going to be. As with all of these things, they they never f- strike the fine balance to start with to try and to to achieve the ends that they're trying to do. Now, clearly, what they're trying to do is for you to be able to move the ball more quickly and avoid the slowing down of the game that that some of the defensive tactics have have encouraged. But we will see whether that whether that is in fact encouraged. Or whether you get some of these perverse results, where, as the ranch suggested, someone moves two feet to the right mm, yeah. in a very natural motion. The first time that happens, and they get penalised, and um, it'll be and they... such a big moment, like won't it? <laughs> you know, it, it's like it's like it's like the first time they started playing fifties for that one, where the guy kind of runs from behind and in the kind of you know endangered zone or whatever, and everyone's the like protected it, zone. Yeah, yeah, uh, like, like like everyone who's been watching the game for so long watches that and just kind of. I don't see what that person well, did wrong it, there. Like, it, why it, is that a problem? Well, except that, and this is the one I will I will defend because it, Hawthorne used to do it deliberately, and this is why everyone was up in arms about it and why the change happened. Is Hawthorne would instruct its players to run within sort of three meters of the guy on the mark. Don't do anything. Just run there because it just stops. It just stops people from moving quickly it stops them from going sideways and it, and it makes them right. think about you in that space and it was just their deliberate tactic um and it was part of that whole web arrangement and then you know they went back and looked at the Hawthorne games and just every single fucking game that that's that's you would see guys running off from their opponents to deliberately run into the space um that the uh, someone who had a free kick or a mark had occupied Expect an email from someone in London, I think, the next week's show, dickandhamshow at gmail.com. If you cheat that much and you're comfortable with that cheating, winning three premierships, that's fine. Some people are. And look, that's, if that's... Brad Sewell's going to run in and just headbutt Matthew Lloyd like that, well, that's nothing, that's nothing <laughs> he can do about that. No. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. a lot of people say that it was Lon Lloyd. That's not how I see it. When I watch it, I see something different to that. So, yeah. you know, maybe I'm crazy. The fact that Brad Sewell didn't get reported for that is still one of the things I that I'll go to my grave. I know. One of the, a lot of people say, uh, scholars say that that's what brought Andrew Demetrio down. So <laughs> leave that with you. Um, the the <laughs> bigger 
concern, I think, is just, and it's a problem that everyone has, is that kind of the unintended consequences of a of a of a change like this. It's just, will, will this create something that no one no one's currently contemplating that will, will have an in, yeah. impact on the on the yeah. game? Like you know, and I kind of look at it, and on face value, I'm sure there's stuff that's you know, there's going to be some unintended consequences there. But on face value, I'm a bit like, yeah, okay, I can see what they're trying to do. It, it's disappointing, I suppose, that strategically teams have not been able to kind of work, like collectively kind of work through a, a way to kind of make the game not as, like look better, but also score more. In the last couple of years, it really feels like these defensive tactics have very much kind of crushed a lot of the, the kind of offensive flow in a lot of teams. So it's disappointing that, you know, teams and clubs haven't been able to strategically work their way through that. But Kind of on face value, I kind of don't mind it. It's got it's going to look weird sometimes. I would imagine that you know that little sideways kick uh, at the kick in, you know, will now see the person whatever mark it near the boundary line. The person on the mark won't be able to move sideways, and so the person who kicked it in will probably just be able to run fairly kind of freely, kind of you know up the ground yeah, and, and the kind ground, of get yeah. that ball. And so I'm just like, that's going to look weird. But at the end of the day, if that just does lead to the ball moving faster, I kind of don't mind it. I must admit, when I heard about this rule, like a lot of the new rules, um, and again, because I'm old and cranky, I tend to be like, ugh. Leave the game alone. No, I don't mind rules, but just a lot of the time, I'm like, Jesus. Like like the having to nominate Ruckmans and stuff, there's just more and more complication that I'm not sure necessarily adds value, but perhaps this one will work. You know, you, you want to hear one that's interesting, which is very simple, the one-point plan to fix the slowness of the modern game. Mm. Stop umpires from taking 30 seconds when they ball the ball up and they run in, they look around, they get the ball, they say, who's nominating? It's me, it's you, okay, I'm going to back out this way. Then they back yeah. out. By the time they've done that, half the players on the field have run from the other flank up to the contest. They're like, just yeah. running and throw it up. I don't know whether their lives are at risk from players running into them, but I'm sure everyone will be able to work something out. And um, I'm inclined I'm inclined to agree with Will on that, to be honest. It seems like a pretty yeah. easy thing to do while you're trying to make all these other fucking rule changes. Just run yeah. in and throw the ball up. Yeah, yeah. Disgusting. Yeah, yeah no, hard, to, hard to argue with that. Ultimately, though, like, and uh, this is partly to do with Essendon and having extremely low expectations, but I'm, I'm like very much excited for this. You're football, I think. All the pressure is going to be on Geelong, as I think we covered off after the trade period. It's um, exciting, but also nerve-wracking, I think, to be a Geelong supporter leading into 2021. Yeah. Tough way to start a year, actually, when you're the team who, who hasn't won and sh- and must win. And yeah, anything, like- other than wi- anything other than winning, that you could be up at halftime of the grand final and the yeah. year won't have been a success. If yeah, you don't yeah. fucking win the grand final. Yeah, yeah. Making the grand final is not the pass mark. Um, yeah, it's not. It's not fun that season. To be honest, it's stressful. Counterpoint to Sam, see the 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 two thousand season, which after we were in the same position as Geelong is now. We had to win that grand final, or or the the year was a complete write off and yep. a disaster. But that was that was actually still the the second funnest season I've ever experienced watching football. What was the most fun? Yeah, but I guess... No, 93. Oh, yeah. yeah I guess enough. what I'm... Yeah, me, me too, 93. I guess what I'm saying, Boots, is is that if you, can, if you can tell me that Geelong will win every game, most of them comfortably, they win the grand mm. final, and sure. But the point is, is that... Let me just flick through that. No, no other team in history has had a season like that. So, yeah, it was fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. sure. 
but the, the, yeah. but being the point that there 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 is a, there is a recipe for it to be uh, get, for it to be. John got the horses for that. I got to say, Cameron is remarkably generationally good. So that that's an interesting one. But yeah, whether the whole team can pull it together, I'm not sure they're that well coached. Oh, but see, they've I certainly know. got good players. I, I I'm I'm not a Cameron fan. I don't. I how? I think because I think he is a not as good version of of Franklin in that he actually doesn't take that many contested marks for you. Um, is Franklin though? No, that, that's what I'm saying. He's, the, oh, right. he's a not as good version of Franklin. Right, got it. That, got it. Got that, it. That what you've got to do is put it out in front of him for him to use his athleticism when he's on someone um, smaller than him or when you get isolated in when he's in one-on-one matches or running back into the forward line. And no team is going to play Geelong like that to, to allow him to just run into space. And he's going to have Hawkins there sort of creating some... Uh, uh, that's not going to move that far out of that that space. I, I, yeah, I think he'll do very well against the bad teams, but the good teams that can proper defensive plan mm. together. That's a uh, that's pretty tough read on a on a many times overall Australian Coleman medalist who's played in a lot of shit GWS teams and a lot of good GWS teams. Yeah, I don't know. He's played in that many shit GWS teams, like. I don't know. He's been at GWS since the start. They weren't good straight away. But the that, that, those first couple of years, but then you know, since what it, whatever it is, twenty fifteen, they've been in the finals every year. Um, mm, anyway, I don't know how it would be at Geelong, but I I, I would I rate him I, I rate him very like extremely highly. He's basically mm. the one of the only guys I would have been comfortable with a straight trade for Danaher for. Not comfortable, happy, but like, okay, I can cope with that, you know. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he goes at Geelong, that's for sure. Uh, mm. Well, maybe we'll do a, a proper kind of AFL preview on the next on the next episode, I think, because we've still got... Yeah, we should little, do that. It'd be good. Yeah, uh, a little bit of time. But, I mean, it's, it's not far off. I think it's like March 18 or something. It's like... It's kind of yeah. a little, yeah, like a little over a month away. I think I'm right in saying that preseason comp is just basically one game now, like officially. I think there's a, on a few practice match <laughs> and then the, the whatever the official thing is, it's just like one game. Is and that true? Off and it's one yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, the JTL, it's still got the JTL <laughs> series, I think, which is weird. Um, in that it's really a series of down, one-off events. Game. Yeah. I thought it was. I thought it was two. I thought it was two games, but I've I've, I've not been looking at it closely. No, I, th- I think that's. I think that's been amended. Like, there's now just a practice game. So for us, and then I think we've got like a Carlton practice game in like a couple of weeks or something like that. Mm. Um, and then there's just one game against Geelong, and then there's a week off, and then the season starts. So should be good. Did you want? Did you want to uh, give your thoughts on uh, on Tom Brady and the Super Bowl? Branch. Oh yeah. Oh look, I I, I think um, I was a bit I was a bit flat actually. Like I, I just yeah you know, I I didn't really want the Bucks or, or Brady particularly to win. I mean it's a just incredible effort by him especially. Like you know at, at his age. Like so some of the stats that are now just so clear are, are amazing. Like the, the the teams with the most Super Bowl wins are you know the Steelers with six. And is is there another team? But it's like I genuinely can't remember. Um, but any, anyway, like like not not a wind up. Genuinely, was not just, a wind up. Just, like, just the Patriots. 
Oh, fuck. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So the Steelers and the Patriots have six Super Bowls. Tom Brady himself has seven. Like, that is just remarkable. I mean, he's made... Yeah, it's incredible. He, he's made, like, the, the championship round in... Is it 14 out of out of 19 seasons? Yeah, 14 um, out of 19, yeah. yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's absolutely yeah. incredible. So, look, credit to him. You know, credit to the Bucks. I think, for how they played in the game. Like, they absolutely just didn't put a foot wrong kind of in any phase of the game. Defensively, they were amazing. Offensively, they did kind of everything they needed to. The Chiefs just struggled from the outset. There was injuries related to that, but there was also, you know, some 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 coaching issues there. At the end of the day, though, I was just a bit... I, I struggled to get excited for teams that just kind of put together a whole bunch of players seemingly kind of overnight or over the space of a season or two and then just kind of win a flag without, I guess, the notion of kind of building that over time and building it for the long term. What about you? Will Gronk, Gronk go again next year, or is he done now? I think most of them are probably just going to come back. Like, yeah. like as, as long as Brady plays, I think Gronk will play. Yeah, I, th- I, think, I think that's what will happen. Look, I, I understand when you look at the offense and you look at who caught the touchdown passes, that you, you say, well, you know, Brown, Fournette, Brady, Brady. and Gronk weren't, weren't there. 12 months ago, but... All the defensive in- players were, though. Yeah, the, yeah, the defense, other than Sue, who was who yeah. was a free agent, um, yeah, the, the rest of... They're, they're actually 11 of their... Or 10 of their starting 11 decent defensive players were actually drafted by yeah. by Tampa Bay. And frankly, that's the reason they won, was the way yeah. the defense played. Yeah. So, uh, I, 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 yeah, I certainly understand that feeling and watching it and I imagine seeing Antonio Brown catch a touchdown pass was was really like getting your nuts strummed mm-hmm. but the mm-hmm. um the yeah you, you can't help but just be impressed the problem here was the game for the, for the second time in three years the game was terrible yeah um which is we kind of in the last 10 years we've gotten used to the Super Bowl being a really good game and for the for the most part so there's only been a couple of exceptions the the Denver Carolina game was was not was not very good. Um, the uh, the Patriots uh, Rams game was not very good, and then this game was not very good. But the exception to that, you know, the other seven years in the last ten have been yeah. very good yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and enjoyable games. Hey Boots, um, how's my mate? Uh, how's how's my man Minshew going? Yeah, he's uh, he's, he's in trouble. Probably doesn't have a job next <laughs> year. Yeah, he 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 got demoted. Um, he came back and played a few games because the person he got demoted for got hurt um, although, towards the end of the year. Although, in, then, in, in fairness, he may have got demoted so the team didn't necessarily win, accidentally win a game or two. Like, he's he's not he's not worse than Glennon. No, but he was playing pretty bad. Like, this, yeah, this, yeah, the, yeah, the, I mean, the, the peripheral a, stats on him when he... Yeah, he, he he's definitely a, uh, a, a career backup guy. Like, he'll, he'll continue to hold yeah. the clipboard for another five to eight, maybe even 10 years, unless he does something stupid and gets put in jail or something like that. Like, I'd yes. like he'll, he'll, he'll hang around the league and make millions of dollars and be hilarious. But yeah, I'm not sure if he'll start yeah. too many more games. But it's, um, uh, there's a couple of quarterbacks that I hear about uh, when I listen to American podcasts. And some of them just got names that to me, give them no chance they've ever been good. Carson Wentz. Wentz. <laughs> He yeah. can't be good with a name like that. What about the guy? Is he the is he the guy that the um that the Patriots were going to use until they got that other guy who shit? No, anyway? that, that, that was that was Jarrett Stidham. 
Oh, um, Jared Stidham. Stidham boots. I've got another one for you, Sam. be a star. I've got another one for you, Sam. Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, come on. He's not going to be good. No, don't be silly. You need a fucking all-American name. He's no yeah. Gardner uh, Minshew the you, third. You see, you see, we, we, we say that, and yet Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl. Brad Johnson won a Super Bowl. Brad Johnson's fine. Brad Johnson's an all-American name. Peyton Manning's an all-American <laughs> name. Bloody Gary Dinklater. What was his name? Stidham. Stidham Boots. Come on. Sort of guy Nick, you Nick, kick Nick, in his face at the beach. Nick, Nick Foles. Nick Foles won a Super Bowl. Nick Foles is okay. Stidham and Wentz are not strong names. Weak jaw. Having a cool name does make you think that you'd be a good quarterback, but there's a guy with an exceptionally cool name who... I don't think barely took us barely barely took a snap. He was drafted in the first round by the Denver Broncos a few years ago. Paxton Lynch, that's a fucking cool yeah, name. Good name. That that's is good a cool name, name yeah. right there. Completely yeah. hopeless player. He's terrible. No. Yeah, yeah. Shocking. couldn't walk it. Couldn't walk and cheek Um whereas um what about Johnny Football? Johnny Manziel. Oh, yeah, uh, screw that. Guy. Johnny Manziel, I follow him on uh, on the Instas. What? Yeah, loves a he loves a you got to follow the worst people. That's the only thing good about social media. <laughs> I follow Beaver. So I'm not. I'm not joking about that. By the way, I follow brands you like and terrible people, not is, people you know. Is he is is he allowed to post Instagram stories from inside a rehab facility or presumably yeah, wherever? How, he is how does that work? He always seems to be at the club, you know. Um, <laughs> but uh, what his backstory is that he was like the gun college player, went to the NFL, and just like got onto the sort of all of the vices of being in the NFL type guy and was out of it within about two years. Is that right? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine trying to imagine being that good. And even whether he was going to make it as a star player, let's say he's as good as like fucking Gardner Minshew or something. He's good enough to hang around, make some money. Imagine having that opportunity and being such a knob that at 21, you're not on an NFL list anymore. No one will hire you. You've got no money and you've got nothing going on. Yeah. It's it's absolutely incredible. Um, it'll be a fascinating off-season in, in the NFL, I think. Like, there's there's all these, there's all a general thought that there's going to be all these different quarterback moves. I remain unconvinced on some of that. Um, but, you know, your, your boy Carson Wentz, Sam, um, he could be on the yep. move, which would be, uh, and it certainly appears likely to be on the move, which is something that is still astonishing to me. It's going to be the largest cap hit, um, the largest dead money cap hit, that a team has ever had in the NFL to the tune of 60% higher than the previous record. Like, you know, that it is... Who, who's got him right now? The Eagles. They So so they, they gave up so much draft capital to move up to number two in the draft a number of years ago to, to get him. So, like, they invested a shitload there. They got him. He actually looked great. Like, he was on track to win MVP, wound up doing a knee in the year that the Eagles went on to win. Um, but he looked great. You know, shortly after that, they kind of extended him on this, on this. you know, of course, a big money deal because he's a starting quarterback. And they had all these bonuses and incentives that, you know, without going into how contracts, contracts are structured, stuff that's, um, you know, a bonus can kind of be spread out over the course of the entire deal. So they're now a number of years into that. And if they want to trade him, all of those bonuses that are meant to be spread out over five, six years or whatever it is, um, all accelerate onto this year's salary cap. And so if they trade him or if they cut him, it costs him, it costs them $34 million on the cap this year out of a cap that's going to be about $180 or $181 million. It is absolutely remarkable. So they're in this situation. And is that bad that they need to move him? Well, I don't necessarily think so. I mean, last year, they, like he took them to the playoffs with absolutely no receivers or tight ends basically, you know, at, at his disposal. 
but this year he was incredibly bad, you know, like, like super duper bad. My, my thought was that they would fire their coach, which they did hold on to Wentz, but just, you know, ride or die with Wentz because they kind of have to. Um, yeah. But they seemingly are interested in trading him. Interestingly enough, Boots, the trade has not happened yet. I wonder if that is just because the Eagles are trying to, like to, to me, if I'm the Eagles, if I'm going to take a $34 million cap hit next year, I need to get something really good in return, but no one's going to be giving up, you know, three first round fucking draft picks or whatever. No, it's, 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 own, it's own, their, their hope is, because there's two teams that you could potentially go to if you yeah, believe the Bears, Bears or the Colts. Bears or the Colts. And the Colts are fine. They don't need, they need a quarterback, but they don't need to sell the house to get one because Frank Reich's not getting fired. Chris Ballard's not getting fired. They're both very respected people. You know, they've got to cobble together the quarterback position. They can't do it this year. Well, that just becomes the focus for them to find one. Um, Chicago is Ryan Pace and Nagy are going to get fired if they don't make the playoffs and probably if they don't win a playoff game. So, for them, the future, you know, future first round picks might not have the same value as uh, mm. as they might to. It's kind to of the only us. way it, it could get done, right? But even I mean, just Jesus Christ, if you're the Eagles, you you have to get so much in return. Uh, like I, I, I think the only reason I think Wentz has completely fucking um, blown up and said, "Yeah, fucking trade me." Yeah, um, yeah maybe, yeah. I think, I think because otherwise I completely agree with you, Ranch. I would just and and sidebar, I'm completely for the 49ers should stick with Garoppolo, even if they think there's a minor upgrade somewhere yeah. else. I, yeah, I'm of the view that, that that actually I didn't think Stafford was interesting, but I didn't think it was necessarily going to be an upgrade. I think it's going to be an upgrade in some respects and a downgrade in others. Um, but for the the cost in draft capital and and the impact that they're giving up draft picks then has on your salary structure. There was no way they should have gotten involved in that yeah. or gotten seriously involved. And I'm Philadelphia. I'm thinking about it the same way. I think, well, let me run out one more year of this if I can get him to to play with a new coach, with a, you know, you, you know kind of say, look, every, you know, we're, we're, we're going back to everyone's on the same footing, fresh start, Win, win the starting quarterback job. You know, I think you probably got to put him into a. There has to be an open competition in yeah. training camp with with Hertz, yeah. and you know he'll probably win that competition. I think, like as long as it's not like he hasn't got a sort of Chuck Noble yeah. or can't can't throw the second base um, condition anymore. Um, but that that's how that's how I would have played this. Yeah, but yeah. I think yeah. There's so much drumbeat for him going to one of those two teams. All right, fellas. Well, it's about 11.30. We should maybe leave it there. Um, thank you for... Curious lost. Yeah. Suck shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, does anyone else want to do the outro? I don't even know what I'm saying. Well, I, I think, look, the, the only thing I, w- I want to say in the outro is I, I, I hope that the legal proceedings that Andrew is in go his way mm-hmm. um, because I, I think we all feel that if he had to do that that sort of six to six to ten years stint in the big house um, you know what happened in the Shawshank Redemption would look like a picnic it wouldn't go so well. wouldn't best go of well. luck best of luck Andy
That's right. Dickenhamshow at gmail.com. Thank you again to our sponsors, the old McCallum. See you next week. Bye-bye. That's good. Because we've had contact we've been recording for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's six minutes of good stuff, too. I'm going to step away from my computer, but I'll continue to be on the call. Right. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. We'll get taking a piece. the background. Uh, worse. Again? No, no. I've, just <laughs> got to, I've actually just got to, I've got to hang up some washing for five minutes, but I'll be, I'm on board for the conversation. I mean, great timing, really. I mean, it's not like we scheduled this at a specific time or anything. So if you well, think it, that it, my choice was Friday night at 9.30, hanging up washing, then uh, you're very much mistaken. But can it wait? It rolls. Or, or it, 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 look, Ranch, if we got McConnell to attend at an agreed time, just fucking <laughs> yeah, keep it, just count ourselves lucky and move on.